Again, this is Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Its heading is The Cost of Discipleship. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. You may be seated. Had an opportunity last week to go to a church um, and not speak. Y'all are used to that. I'm not. (laughs) And so it was very nice to hear another United Methodist pastor preaching. And he said something in the midst of that that really struck me. And I asked him about what it meant because I wasn't quite sure he meant what I thought he meant. And when he told me what it meant, it isn't what I thought he meant. So I'm glad I asked. But he said during that sermon, God wants to redeem your vision. And I thought that meant, well, you know, to make a better vision of the future. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about how we relate the things in the past, the visions we see when we think of certain things that aren't godly. In this particular passage, he was talking about how a lot of people have turned to pornography and other visual aspects of things, and the vision has been used for ungodly purposes. God wants to change that and be a part of a witness of what God can do with a broken life. He wants to take what is ungodly and put His Holy Spirit on it and change it so that it is a godly thing. In other words, not saying this is a godly activity, but rather, God used this to bring me to Him. And this vision now is no longer shame, but the cross I carried that I no longer carry. Redeeming the vision of what you've seen that wasn't godly, of what you've done that wasn't holy, God wants to redeem that and make it for godly purposes. Does that make sense? Yeah. I like that. It's kind of like healing what you have seen, what you've heard, and what you've thought, and what you've related it to. And God can take that and reframe it so it's no longer tying you to chains, but setting you free from that. And it's no longer a story of your guilt and shame, but of what God brought you out of. The verse we used to have up here, Galatians 5.1, For freedom Christ has set you free, so do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. For freedom we're set free. And that freedom you know is there when you look at how you used to be and you see a change because God did something in your life. Now, I know that in our walk with Christ, there's going to be like a roller coaster. It's not smooth, level, gradually inclining all the way into the last day. There's ups and downs. There's closer, there's further. God is with you every step of the way, 
But I, I've begun to realize something that maybe you already knew, and it's just stating the obvious, but to me, it's not so obvious, even though it sounds obvious. But if you ever come to the altar or prayed to Jesus and said, God, I don't need this in my life. I need you to change this or do something. And you lay it down at the foot of the cross. You say, Jesus, this is no longer mine. I don't need this. And then you say, yes, God, this is yours. But a few days later, a few minutes later, somehow you picked it back up again. You ever done that? I used to do that a lot. A lot. With a lot of different things. And the only way, and the only reason that happens, or the most common reason given anyway, is lack of surrender. Haven't really given it to God because we got a string on the thing. There's a string attached to it, if you know what I mean. Well, God, I'm giving you this, but I got some more of it over here in case I want it back. Some people in addiction or other type of lifestyles, they have a secret stash. So in case they get rid of everything and they still have this one laying over here, <laughs> in case they really want to go back to it, it means I haven't surrendered. It means I haven't fully given over to God. It's this control thing where we're afraid that if we really let God have full control, what's it going to be like? I'm going to be standing on a ledge and God's going to take it all away. My life's going to be crazy. I don't know what I'm going to feel like. And that's how we think. We get scared. And it's on this leap of faith that we're so afraid to take that we don't do so. So, I want to tell you that God is willing to receive what you lay at the cross. And He's also willing that if you pick it back up, that He's going to let you. And He's going to keep letting you until you give it all the way to Him and say it's yours. I'm not having this anymore. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. If you struggle with something that you need to lay at the foot of the cross and you don't know how to get rid of it, whether it's a sickness, a hurt, a habit, or anything else, keep bringing it back. Until you no longer pick it up, keep bringing it back to the foot of the cross and laying it there. During communion this morning, I'm going to ask you to do that. To lay it down again. One more time. God does not look at you and go, oh, look who's coming back with that thing again. He's not looking at you in judgment and saying, you know, you should have got this right the first time. What's wrong with you? He doesn't look at you that way. That's your own voices. The voices in the past, they're not God's. God is more than willing to receive you each time you come because He's gracious and knows the struggle you have. He's not condemning you for being struggling. He says, I made you that way. I want you to trust Me with the way I made you so you can be remade the way I want you to without that. And it can be tough. Also, often though, when we begin to do things like that, what we do is we say, God, I know this, but I remember. You ever had that in your life where, God, I, I really want to give this thing to you. I, I really want to live for you, but, but, but there's this certain things in my life that really matter to me. I don't want to lose those things. You say in your Scripture, God, that if I come to follow you, then, um, especially in this Gospel of Luke, it says, uh, when he asks if I can bid farewell to those people in my family, and he says, no. 
God, I love my family. I don't want to not tell them what I'm going to be doing so I don't give them a sense of, uh, you know, ownership of this. And so we look at it like that and God isn't saying that. Let me tell you what that verse is talking about so you understand what Jesus is talking about. A lot of people are going to go, this is what it's all about. When Elisha met Elijah, do you remember? Elijah the great prophet, Elisha said, I would like to wear your mantle. And Elijah says, okay. And he said, but first, let me go home and tell my family goodbye. And Elijah says, why are you telling me this? Do what you got to do. Go do it. What is that to me? Tell them goodbye. And then come. And here when this person says, Lord, I'll fly, but let me first go say goodbye to my home. Jesus says, nobody putting their hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And what is he saying here? Is he saying that Elijah and Elisha had it wrong? Or is he pulling something different out of there? Now you fellows who farm uh, for a living, you'll know this real well. If you drive with your face looking backward instead of forward, you're not going to have a straight road. Do you understand what that means? What he's saying is, until you have closure with the past, you keep wanting to repeat it or go back to it. As long as it's an option for you, you keep turning back and your road gets crooked. And he says, go to straight and narrow, right? I, I saw this post. I can't remember where I saw it, but I really like it. It says, there's a reason the rear view mirror is small and the windshield is big. Do I have to explain that? <laughs> One's looking back. The rest is looking forward where you're going. You're not going to, get, you're not going to hit something when you're going forward behind you. You might hit something in front of you if you're looking backward. But you won't hit something behind you when you're going forward. I like that. But when we look back, it means I've got some regret or unfulfilled longing or uncertainty about where God's leading me. I think the most difficult thing for me in the Old Testament was when Lot's wife was turned to stone. Uh, or salt, I'm sorry. She uh, was told, just like Lot, don't look back at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah or it will be dangerous for you. You will, you will die. And Lot's wife looked back. Now, I, I, I wanted to say, well, why would she do that? Listen, in Sodom and Gomorrah, God would have spared it if there were ten righteous. If there were ten. Uh, Abraham bargained with him from 50 down to 10. There weren't 10. As a matter of fact, there probably wasn't five. And I'm going to share this with you. Lot's wife was not among the righteous. I want you to know that. If she was among the righteous, she would have been able to help spare the city. She would have been one of 10. But there wasn't any. And she looked back at the life she was letting go of. She liked it, but she was only leaving because Lot said, let's go. She was being obedient to her husband, but she looked back in longing and turned to salt. 
you understand when God's calling you to something and moving you to a new place, a new vision, that the old one's not going to work? Do you understand that? You can't do tomorrow's mission work or ministry on yesterday's completion. The resources are different. The need is different. And you have to learn what that is and trust that He knows. So there's dangers of looking back. And the first one is it distracts you. It causes you to dwell on things that used to work and it will lead you to a strong delusion. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 gives us this uh, promise that if we choose not to listen to God, He will send a strong delusion. Now, delusion simply means confusion or uh, you won't understand the truth and you'll end up believing a lie. And the next verse says that all who may be condemned who did not believe the truth had pleasure in unrighteousness. When God's calling you out of something, that's no longer holy ground for you. He's calling you to a, a new place in life, a new season. And the old place is not holy ground. Like when He told us we're moving forward with the vision that He shared with us and all the things that He wanted us to do to make ourselves more appealing to the community, it's not what we did before. It's different. But it's not wrong. But trying to do what we did before here won't work. He called us to rise up and move. Not rise up and look back, but rise up and go forward. Same is true with your life. The second thing that looking back causes is it creates doubt. First it distracts and then it creates doubt of God's promises and plans. Well, God, I don't know if this is really what you want me to do or not. It's because this stuff is still hanging on in your mind and you don't know the future God has for you or the plans, or the hope. But God knows! Jeremiah 29.11 I know, says the Lord, the plans that I have for you. I know. Not you. Him. you got to trust Him. And that's hard because we look at what well, we did trust Him, but the future's scary. <laughs> it can be really scary. But guess what? It can also be challenging and it's where the reward of the higher calling is in Christ Jesus is forward. The third danger of looking back, first it distracts, it creates doubt, then things get delayed or derailed. You ever seen where you get excited about something and, and you're really excited but you say, well, I'll just do this a little later because you know I haven't finished this other thing and I'm not sure yet how to do this yet and, and all of a sudden procrastination and, and other things creep up and all these distractions come in from all that. And then the thing gets delayed. And then after a while you go, well, you know, it was really important at the time, but now I don't know. And now it's derailed. You lose the passion for the vision that God gave you. Oswald Chambers says, never forget in the valley the inspiration God gave you on the mountaintop. Those are the visions that you have to live through in the valley when it's hard. The fourth thing, the danger of looking back, at first of all, it creates uh, distraction and doubt, delays and derails everything. And then the fourth thing, obviously, it leads to feeling distraught and despair. Possibly depression, but destruction follows. Well, let me tell you why this happens. 
Because the old thing isn't working. And you're not doing the new thing, so you feel stuck like you're not doing anything with your life. And when you're not doing anything with your life, the enemy reaps all sorts of havoc. Starts telling you you weren't the one. It should have been somebody else. That God called the wrong person and you're not going the right way. And all these things that God's trying to tell you are not for you anymore is what you think. And that's when despair comes in and you begin to listen to those voices. Those rotten voices we talked about a few weeks ago that tell you, no, this isn't for you. God doesn't love you like that. He can't use you. You're not smart enough. He, he can use somebody else to do it. Just like Moses tried to say, get somebody else. I'm not qualified. Oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. I have to tell you something this morning, folks. If you never hear anything else I say, hear this. If God asked you, He wanted you to do it. He didn't look for someone else. He asked you. Why? Because God knows your heart and your capability better than you do. Oh, but God, I, I don't know. God doesn't care what you don't know. He cares that you know Him and you're willing to follow and trust Him. Oh, remember that thing setting it at the foot of the cross? That's some of the stuff we got to let go of. Is those voices say God doesn't know what He's talking about when He called me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we keep picking it back up, but let's keep putting it back down there until we can finally leave it for good. God has not called us to go backwards. Amen. There is a vision. There really is. A new thing. The call to worship I read out of Philippians chapter 3. One of my favorite passages in Scripture really says it so clear. Paul talking about his journey and he says, I don't count myself to have apprehended or already finished the race. But one thing I do, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me and I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now, that... Reaching forward there is the word katalambano. I love that word. It sounds powerful. But it means is, is that you grab a hold with both hands with all your worth. Here's how this looks in, in practical real life. Suppose you're climbing up the side of a mountain and you're at a ledge and you're holding on and the ledge gives way and you got to hold on with your hands and pull yourself up to the next ledge. That holding on for all your worth there, you're not looking back going, I wonder where that ledge was. Why can't it be there? Man, God must be mad at me because He took that ledge. You know, I'm not smart enough to stand on the ledge. We're not doing that. We're going, I'm going up, God. If you don't help me, I'm not making it because I'm barely hanging on. You're going to have to help me. That's the kind of reaching forward He's talking about. When your life's in jeopardy and you've you got to do something to make yourself survive that moment, you're not thinking about, I wonder if my parents would be mad at me about this. That's not in your mind. What's in your mind is, this moment, all I can think about is surviving. That this matters more to me than anything else and all those thoughts are gone for just a moment. And it's a moment of freedom because it's a moment of surviving and all that matters is one thing. And isn't it amazing that when Martha was upset at Mary for seeing the feet of Jesus, Jesus looked at her and said, Mary chose one thing. Not many. And one thing, which is me, will not be removed. 
What one thing are you holding on to that keeps you from the true one thing? God has not called us to go backwards. There's a vision and He's given it for our church, for our lives. It's a new thing. Isaiah chapter 43 talks about it. This is one of those verses when people are trying to encourage people to do something new in congregations. And it's because God says this, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it, that God is doing it? I will make a road in a wilderness. God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way that God is doing it. But the thing about this thing that God is calling us to individually and as a church is it's a transformed thing. We don't know what it will look like. But it is also a thing which transforms others because God is in the change business. And Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, To put off the old man. Maybe you've heard this passage before, but I don't think you've heard it in this context. And when you do, I hope it helps you. It says this, chapter 4.22, You put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That which pulls you back is not the mind of Christ to the old things, the old habits and haunts of your life. Those old voices are not God pulling you back there. It's the the lust of the flesh. And we know that flesh and spirit lust against one another. You can't follow both. And Peter tells us something that I think cements this for me. In chapter 4 he says, that you should no longer live the rest of your time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Spend the rest of your time in the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries, in regard to those things, they think it's strange that you don't do them in the same flood of dissipations, and they speak bad of you because you don't. (laughs) I don't know about you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Do you understand that our lives in Christ have purpose. You have a purpose in Jesus Christ. You have a reason and a meaning and a significance. And to find out what that is, is from God, not from you telling God what you think it was or should be. He tells you. He knows. And I want to tell you that God always calls us out of our comfort zones. This new thing, some people go, oh new, no, I can't do new, it's scary, it's, I don't understand new. They, they want the same model of everything that they've just had, maybe an update. They, they don't want something new, it's too stressful, right? But I want to share something with you. In the book of Revelation, all the old stuff goes away. Mm-hmm. All of it, all of it goes away. The only thing to be there is the new stuff. No tears. No pain. No sickness. No suffering. Praise God, no back pain. Neck pain. Head pain. Any pain. All gone. And we go, bring it on. 
But we don't let go of the stuff that creates the misery of our life. We keep picking it back up. We want the good news stuff, but we don't want to get rid of the old bad stuff. We're stuck in the middle. And God is saying, you're going to have to take a risk that there might not be anything in front of you when you let go of that, but you can't grab a hold of the cross with both hands for your life and survival until you let go of something with one hand or two hands or the string attached. Risk is inherent in following God. But it's not risky. It just feels that way. When we step out in faith, here's how I like to look at this. And there's a large field out there and God has put it in front of us saying, come to this new field. I've got some seeds planted I want you to harvest. But well, what are they, God? Well, they're, 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 they're planted. They're not watered. Some of you are going to have to water them. Some of you are going to have to weed around them. Some of you are going to have to do this. But, but what are they, God? They're the seeds I planted. Yes, God, but what are they? Before I do all this work, I want to know that it's going to be worth <laughs> worth it. Isn't that what we say? And God looks at us and goes, they're my seed in my field and you're asking me if it's worth it. Well, God, it's because um, I want to do it my way. I want to know the answers before I get there. But not knowing and stepping out of that field that you don't know what's there to do the work of the kingdom takes risk on your part. But it doesn't really take risk in the kingdom of God. We call it trust. You have to trust that your Heavenly Father knows what's in that field and what you're going to find there and what harvest is there and how you're going to reap blessing because you were obedient even though you didn't know what it was and you had to let go of other stuff to take that step. Obedience is not a risk. Disobedience is. That's the best way I can say that. And I keep hearing the voice of God telling me, don't look back. To our church, don't look back. We've talked about things that worked in the past, but God says those things aren't going to work. We don't have the same culture, persona, people, or ministry. It is changing in front of our eyes and we have to go forward to what God is asking us to do. It takes work. But I'm willing to do the work. I like working for a kingdom that will not end rather than one that is no longer or one that will pass away. And this morning, as we gathered, I sought God about what we can do as a people and to continue to be faithful to the call. And he keeps pulling back the vision that I shared with you on October 28th. That same vision of God using this church in great ways. Ministering to people we don't even know yet. Children that aren't here yet. Youth that will laugh and celebrate because of what we're doing now. And people who are here now who will benefit from the work we do now. But it's not about just that. It's about a lasting legacy in the kingdom of God that we look forward to. The legacy isn't built in the past. It's built now. 
going forward. And as a church, God has asked us to rise up and stand and go forward into that. And I know that He wouldn't have called us to do something we can't do. I know this. And I trust it. So I'm asking you this morning, when you come for communion, that you may have some stuff you need to set back down at the feet of Jesus. And and that's perfectly what you need to do. But in the same breath that you lay it down, say, God, I'm willing to grab a hold of something new before I pick that up. Whatever it is, whatever you're calling me to, I'm willing to risk. Let me share something with you. And this is by no means promotion, it's just an example. I shared that there's going to be in the afternoon, a few Sundays from now, how to meet and reach others for Jesus Christ. Even people you know. Very simple four-step method I came up with. Works wonderful. And it's very easy. But a lot of folks aren't going to show up for that. And I'll tell you why. Because other things are more important. But I'm telling you ahead of time, so when you hear about it, you go, this is my priority. I'll be there. I'm going to learn to grow my church for the kingdom of God. That's a typical choice. But I promise you, there will still be people who don't place that as a priority. And I'm going to ask this one question. Why do you think that is? Because they're still looking back. They don't have the vision for the future and bought in to where God's leading us. But I promise you, He'll get us there. We just have to be willing to follow. And I'm willing. It's work. But it's the best work there is. And the rewards and the pay are eternal. And glorious. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank You for pouring out Your Spirit upon us gathered here for Your presence, for Your Word from Wayne, for Your Word from the message. And now as we're about to partake in Holy Communion, I ask that You would again pour out Your Spirit upon us gathered here and upon the fruit of the bread and the grape, that it would be for us the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, that we would be the body and blood of Christ to the world. Heavenly Father, we don't need to borrow sin, we need to lay it down. Help us to do that as we come to communion. And I ask this morning, Heavenly Father, anyone here today doesn't know really know You, that they would surrender and lay it down. Lay their lives down before You and say, God, whatever You want to do with me, whenever, wherever, however, whyever, God, God, just use me. And when I get resistant and stubborn, God, just remind me. Remind me of the cost You paid for me to be Yours. There is nothing greater than what You've done that I could ever sacrifice. Thank You, Lord. Amen.